0: This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, Season 2, Episode 3. And welcome to Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network, brought to you by XS Sites. Today is Wednesday, May 12th, 2021, and I am your host, Riley Bowman today i'm joined by my compadre long com- com- oh compadre yes i yes. was gonna say compassionate because you are compassionate
1: <laughs> yes
0: my, i am my long uh <laughs> time now friend and co-
1: co-host matthew marister yes sir and uh, <laughs> this is my first episode on season two so i'm excited to uh to try this out here i'm I'm a new guy here at the podcast now, so
0: <laughs> we welcome you to season two. Thank you. Uh, we missed you last week. Glad to have you back. Yeah, yep. got to be so, back. Season two, episode three. Uh, today's episode is a justified saves episode. Uh, so super excited to share these justified save stories, as we call them, or many people may may be familiar with the term defensive gun use or DGU. Story, um, our qualification for justified save stories. Now we share stories of all kinds. We share ones where they're not necessarily justified. uh, You know, more from a learning perspective. But uh, but for them to be considered a justified save, in our opinion, then they must um, be a citizen or off duty. You know, these are not officer-involved shootings. These are not officers that are on duty. This is not military related. Uh, We don't do really anything overseas. This is US based citizens that use justified deadly force of some kind to defend themselves or other innocent parties. Uh, And so then that's a key. They have to be justified incidents as far as we can tell. And a lot of times we are operating off of the limited facts that come from News organizations that don't always report most accurately or using language that is uh, accurate for you know for those of us in the know uh, that you know where this is something we pay attention to and and is even our considered part of our lifestyle. So sometimes we're operating off limited facts, but we do the best we can. Today's episode, though, I mentioned. Are the, the podcast now brought to you by XS Sites? They are title sponsor of the Concealed Carry Podcast. They are also sponsoring specifically today's episode. So XS Sites, I've been a fan for a number of years. Um, especially once they released the F8 night sights, which I have here. I, I'm just holding up a Glock slide, Glock 19 slide that I have the F8 night sights installed on. The night sight capability is not as important to me as it once used to be but I appreciate that at least it's an option or at least that it's available. And I do like the way the night sight capability is implemented on these, that you've got a tritium vial just below the rear notch, just one. And you have a tritium vial that's in the front, in the center of the front sight post. And so in low light, you do see basically dot over top of a dot. And I think that sight picture uh, works very well for me. There's less distraction, if you will. I don't... I, I prefer not to run rear sights that have two dots, actually. I like just a blacked-out rear notch. During the daytime, that's basically how this functions. I get a rear black blacked-out notch and a very high-contrast front sight, if you can see this in the video. I know some of you are listening to the podcast only, but uh, you can see this is a very bright orange color there that's high-contrast for the front sight dot. And it's easy to see, easy to find with a nice, generous rear notch. So these are the F8 night Sights. Big fan. I've, I've been running these for a few years now. I have them on several pistols. Uh, I think they're honestly the favorite. Pro- my, my favorite product that XS Sights offers, even though they have many other great products as well. One thing I'd like to point out is that they are American-made in Fort Worth, Texas. they would like... Literally, they make everything right there in-house. And in fact, they also uh, acquired or obtained the licensing for them to be able to handle their own tritium material for making their night sites. Uh, that's actually like you have to go through, like I think, like the Nuclear Regulatory Commission to get the license to be able to handle tritium because it is slightly radioactive, especially so when it's in larger quantities. And so... They actually make everything in-house. They make the tritium that goes into the night sights. They make the sights themselves. uh, All that right there in Fort Worth, Texas. And they're awesome, awesome people that are supporters of our industry and of the shooting sports. And so I'm I'm a big fan of XS sights. So, guys, if you're interested in swapping out some sights on your pistol or on your shotgun or rifle, because they obviously have a lot of other... Uh, Site options available for other guns as well. Head on over to excesssites.com and we appreciate your support of our sponsors who support us. Also, today's episode sponsored by Ammo Supply Warehouse. ammo com. We know ammunition is tight to come by, hard to find, and expensive. The one thing Ammo Supply Warehouse is constantly working on is at least being able to get some inventory so that you can buy it. It might not be as inexpensive as it once was as as you would like it to be but if you need some ammo i would encourage you to be regularly checking ammosupplywarehouse.com get on their newsletter uh email list because they hit you up whenever they get new stock in store so uh, check out Yeah. so um now let's get into today's episode we mentioned this is the justified saves episode uh, we've got a lead story that I'm gonna ask that Matthew mm-hmm. take away.
1: Cool. all right, so this story it's our lead story. Um, this is wife shoots man with knife running towards husband in Madeira parking lot. Um, so basically what happens this is in Fresno California vehicle uh, there's there's actually security uh, video of this incident um but it doesn't actually show the shooting just shows kind of what led up to it but um there's some things we could take away a uh, vehicle driven by a, a husband and wife uh, is seen in the video driving down this down this uh parking lot area um parking lots it, it's at night there's not a lot of people or cars around um but you you see the vehicle and it stops as somebody uh, is walking kind of up towards the the rear passenger side area vehicle stops in the the husband or driver exits the vehicle um at this point the person who um who who is walking the pedestrian near the near the vehicle um charges at the husband uh with it, it, the article says a sharp object i'm assuming it's a knife or something like that um and the husband starts backing up trying to uh create some distance here and the wife uh God bless her comes out and shoots one round at this dude and shoot and, and actually strikes him in the neck, the, the bad guy. And, uh, and he, he, uh, she stops him right there. Um, pretty crazy in the distance. I mean, like I said, I don't, you don't see the, the distance of the shot, but it, it, it appears if she's on the passenger side, it, we can't see when she shoots, but I'm guessing it's at least 15 feet or so. Um, Oh, easy. It, yeah, unless, you know, unless she closed the distance, came around the car and it doesn't say that in the article, we really don't know. Um, but police obviously investigate, say, um, they, they, uh, agree that this is a awesome self-defense shooting justified. And, uh, it, it's, I, I liked it because it, there's a couple things that jumped out at me and I'll just point out one and, and I'll let you have the other one. But, um, the first one was, this probably wouldn't have happened had the driver not jumped out of the car and confronted this dude. I don't know what it was that set this off, but obviously there was something maybe he cut in front of him or or whatever it was, whatever it was. But, um, you know, this is one of those things where having some restraint and some, you know, some um, uh, making the right decisions to, uh, you know, kind of avoid confrontation would have been helpful. But thankfully, uh, everything came out came out well in the end.
0: Yeah. And so for those of you that are watching the video, you actually kind of... I have it on the screen here now playing. You see that the man and the wife in the car stop as they come up alongside this. In all honesty, this looks like a panhandler. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like like we've got a couple of these guys at one of the low... Uh, Walmart's not too far from me here where, you know, it, I don't know. We actually don't see... And have any idea why, like you said, the man gets out of the vehicle, but we just see a guy like with an orange shirt and he's on the passenger side of the vehicle. It pulls up and stops alongside him. And apparently he then comes around the other side of the vehicle and then the driver gets out. Trying to re- and, and the sad thing is, we've got this whole video s- news story from the local news uh, ABC station there, but they just they kind of cut the video very, you know, weirdly in a way that we, we can't really see what's going on. Um, but it kind of almost looks like dude asking for a handout, guy stops and like gets out of his car to like give him something, or maybe they were exchanging words. But again, as you mentioned, the, the shot that the wife fired must have been a pretty decent shot because assuming she's over by the car and we don't actually see the shot in the surveillance video. Um, but from where you see these two guys are at right now, the orange shirt guy, uh, and the, uh, man that got out, you know, assuming that this is the husband that got out of the car, they're 30 feet away, probably at least. Mm -hmm. So, you know, she shot this man in, in the neck. Um, and, uh, just one round. She steps out, fires one round, hits him in the throat, and that guy is still in critical condition in the hospital. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, I think she did a remarkable job, frankly. Like, that is a challenging, challenging shot. Low low light conditions, meaning, you know, your visibility, your sights on your gun or whatever, not as effective as they would be during bright daylight. You've got probably a 10-yard plus shot uh with potential for your husband being kind of in the way or in that you know same i mean assuming she steps out of the vehicle and fires from somewhere near the vehicle her husband's a little bit off at an angle from the from the bad guy but not by much Mm -hmm. so you know she fires one shot and hits the guy in the throat and down he goes that is some phenomenal shooting for for a lady like you know or for anybody like this is what i mean Mm-hmm. Not just a lady, like a man, lady, man or woman, anybody could have done this, but it's still a phenomenal shot. Mm-hmm. Um, not many people could do that consistently. So whether she just got lucky, whether she's got some some training we don't know about, I don't know. The other thing is this was in Fresno, California, like you mentioned, California not necessarily really being that friendly towards carrying of guns on your person, concealed carry permits being relatively rare, especially depending on what part of California you are in Fresno. I don't recall being a real hotbed for concealed carry permits. Um, So, uh, you know, I don't know where this gun came from, but police have said they're not going to charge her. So presumably she was in possession of, or carrying this gun legally. Uh, I'm not sure if there's any provisions for carrying a gun in a vehicle in California, I don't remember anything specific. So anyway, I mean, that that's neither here nor there because we had a deadly threat against this man and his spouse took out the bad guy with with one shot at a pretty good distance.
1: Yeah. And I would just add also, you know, we, we harp a lot of times on keeping the gun on you while you're in the vehicle. This is one of those situations where um, it happens so quickly that if you carry your gun in the glove box or like on one of those magnet things. um, Oh, please. No, don't even mention the magnet thing. No, I'm just, I'm just saying this because people, people, (laughs) you know, ask these questions all the time. Right. And so um, this is, there's, there's a whole host of reasons why those are bad, but like, this is a, a good Um, Practical or tactical reason why um, having the gun on you is Mm -hmm. so much more important, right? And you might not always have, like, you know, your sharpshooter wife sitting in the car next to you, riding shotgun, right? So, like, um, having the gun with you um, is is always preferable. So, yeah,
0: yep, uh, agree with all of that, Um, and and that is exactly one thing we've talked about numerous times. Uh, Why why it certainly is preferable to carry the gun on your person. Sean asks on Facebook. The question is: Was she aiming for the throat or aiming center mass and fired high? I suspect she was not aiming for the throat. Um, probably aiming for center mass, if you will, like you know the guy's body, and probably just hit high. And you know what? Obviously, it's better if we hit exactly what we're aiming for, but it doesn't really matter, right? Like she, she got the job done. If you are aiming actually center. Target and keep in mind this guy is probably moving a little bit. We see in the video he's constant, like he's chasing after this this man. So, like the fact that she fired a center line shot, high or low, that's better than you know not being on center line and it being in going over the shoulder or or missing completely. So, um, yeah so you've already hit on the lessons learned here why get out of the vehicle in the first place what's going on here did something get escalated that didn't need to be words being exchanged etc cetera, etc cetera. guys always remember best to avoid conflict in the first place avoid putting yourself in situations where this sort of thing can develop and these kinds of things can develop very quickly once we make those decisions that place us in, a, in you know where there's a potential for that situation to occur so And that was, that kind of goes back to the episode that I did last week with uh, Steve Moses, where we talked a good deal about uh, de escalation, avoidance of conflict, Mm -hmm. uh, and also, uh, 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 you know, making decisions about not shooting versus shooting. And I liked how he talked about, he calls them don't shoot, shoot scenarios, whereas I've always, Referred to them as and heard him referred to as shoot don't shoot scenarios, which I think is a little bit easier, you know, to kind of roll off the tongue. But his reasoning being that the default should always be that we, you know, like ideally we don't want to shoot, mm-hmm. and a lot of situations can be solved by not shooting. But we also need to be prepared, such as in a situation like this, where when it's time to take a shot, we got to take the shot. Anyway, mm-hmm. let's go on to we got a what not to do story here now. This one comes to us from WAPT.com Jackson, Mississippi. And Jackson Mississippi, the Jackson Mississippi Police Department has re- released the name of a suspect charged for shooting a man trying to break into a vehicle. Hmm. So today's title of the episodes is when trying to be a good Samaritan fails. And these next couple of stories pretty much all have a similar theme if you will because these are people trying to do what they probably perceived was good or right in the moment but didn't go so well and prob and, and in some of these cases was not right or legal okay and we've talked about this many times in the past on the podcast but what happened here is a man uh was in his apartment where he uh Happened to notice that someone was breaking into a car. It happened around eight a.m. on a Tuesday morning. Uh, so, so he saw this this individual trying to break into his vehicle. He decided to chase after him and then shoot him. And unfortunately for him, several of these shots that he fired, at least one or more of them, were fatal. So this man that was trying to break into his vehicle died, and. Now the man that ran out of his apartment chased this man down, shot him. He's facing charges of murder, one count of murder. This is where I recognize again. Nobody wants their car to get stolen. Nobody wants criminals to get away with stuff like this. You know, we want to stop and prevent and and keep things from from going too far. Um, but at the same time. The law is the law, okay? And if we don't like the law, we can work to change the law. But I honestly believe in most cases of self-defense, I think the law is pretty, I think it's pretty reasonable, Mm -hmm. okay? But anyway, um, this man took it too far, okay? Going out of your way to then chase after and shoot somebody that the only thing that we can go off of based on this is... Guy was just breaking into his car. It's not a justification to use deadly force. And doing so, will get you arrested and put behind bars.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I can't add anything. We, I, we cover one of these stories a month, right? Like we cover it and there's probably many, many more that happen that don't make the news or that I don't filter out for the DGs, uh, save episodes. episode. So, um, this is not like, if you've listened to the podcast for a while, you know, this is not unique and we have a couple other stories, but this, we just gotta be smarter. We gotta, we gotta be under control of our, have control of our, uh, our emotions, man.
0: Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. Speaking of which, I uh, mentioned we've got a couple of these stories that are somewhat similar, um, but they, they have their own unique circumstances. So, Matthew, let's take a look at this one out of Phoenix. Surveillance video shows managers shot by bystander during shoplift
1: in Phoenix. This is reported on azfamily.com. Yeah, unfortunately, um This happens at a uh, Ace Hardware. So uh, around nine o'clock in the morning, uh, these two mopes come into the Ace Hardware store and want to steal some stuff. Um, So they put in a couple buckets. Each of them have two buckets. You see them on video. They fill up the buckets and then they just kind of book it out of the out of the store. Um, As this is happening, a woman who's in the store um, who has a concealed carry uh, firearm uh, or, or has a firearm concealed on her um chases out after them along with the manager of the store and as these guys are trying to get into the car kind of like a keystone cops type like scene they're trying to get in he's the but the one dude's trying to pull away and he's trying to get in the car um but she shoots at the the guys who are trying to get away and ends up striking the the manager of the the ace hardware who is out there you know, trying to chase after them as well. She strikes him with one shot in the knee, shatters his knee. Um, and she is, and en- ends up being charged. Um, and so uh, she is charged. She's booked on charges of aggravated assault and discharging a firearm within city limits. Um, because this was, You know, uh, a a reckless uh, shot based off of the investigation, based off of what uh, the witnesses said. And and, um, so additionally, there was nobody that was in immediate fear of death or serious bodily injury. Right. This was two buckets worth of crap from Ace Hardware that. This dude, the manager, ends up now having to go through physical therapy, um, may not be able to walk quite right again. And this woman now is facing felony ch- gun charges. Um, and, I, 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 you know, when we cover stories like this, it, sometimes it's kind of hard because not hard, but like y- you feel for the person. Like, I don't think that this woman intended to go out and, you know, shoot the manager or end up in jail or anything. But this is why we have to think about these things prior to and understand what it's going to take for us to even bring the gun out. And it's got to be something that's immediate, eminent. It's got to be a deadly threat. I mean, it has to be right. We can't just brandish guns. And and, and... so this was just a really bad, bad decision. Uh, she's 46 year old woman, probably has, you know, a family and it's just, it's sad. Um, and it's also sad for this, this guy. And The the, the topper is the two criminals are off with their you know uh, goods from Ace Hardware that they're selling on Craigslist or whatever for some for some drug money or whatever. So um, nothing good came from this at all. So it's kind of sad story.
0: Yeah, um, it's just at the end of the day, it's just stuff, right? Mm -hmm. You know, like that's the perspective we have to keep in mind. I'm not going to judge a store worker, especially if they are tasked with doing so. I mean, there's certainly businesses that have asset protection officers and, and security officers and the like, and certainly within their right to use reasonable means to uh, try to prevent the theft of goods. But there's got to be a line that we go, you know what, we're not willing to cross that line. And it does appear that one of these guys, you know, chasing after the the thieves, uh, I mean, it's like, really chasing after him, right? You know, it, like there's a point of just it's time to give up. It's just stuff. Like yes, it hurts your bottom line as a business. Um but uh you know what? It's replaceable and getting yourself hurt or killed is not. Um now in the case of this woman and I actually have here a, a follow-up story where it just gives a, additional details and we, we see her mugshot there. Um you know, it just talks about You know, the way this has gone down for her, unfortunately, I think that she felt like she's trying to do the right thing, but she's using deadly force to stop shoplifting, which shoplifting in most cases is just a misdemeanor Mm -hmm. unless it's over a certain value in terms of goods. And so like you're talking about misdemeanor charges, theft of $100, $200, $300 worth of goods. And you're drawing a gun and and trying to to kill somebody. You have to put that in perspective. Trying to kill people over $200 worth of stuff or less in many cases. And like, what kind of world are you in if if that's like, if that math adds up for you? Okay. I know I've engaged in some conversations with people through the years where they would say, well, yeah, like that, that's, that's my stuff. Like I got to stop that, you know, and it's worth it to me. Um, it's not worth it to you when you're sitting here behind jail or behind bars in jail facing charges of aggravated assault, right? She she hit the uh, the the store manager. Very unfortunate, okay? I know she didn't mean to do that, but when we talk about that you are liable for every round that comes out of the muzzle of your gun, that's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about. So you got to have just cause to use that deadly force in the first place. And then if you use that deadly force, even if it's justified in many cases, if you end up hurting somebody else, this could be you. Mm -hmm. So we just had a story where a woman used successfully deadly force and made a pretty challenging shot and was fortunate that she hit her target. Okay. Because she could have missed. Many, any one of us could have missed that's a you know 10 yard plus shot on a moving target right that's the kind of question we got to ask ourselves if this shot misses my target then what number one if I have a legitimate deadly threat and I miss my target that just costs me time and stopping the threat that's that time could is precious number two I'm around misses my target. Where does that round go? Okay, we had a story a while back of a man uh, that uh, fired shots and uh, it went through the the wall or window of a home in the area and killed a little girl, mm-hmm. right? Or maybe she was seriously injured. I think she. I think she was killed though. So um, that's the kind of that's the gravity of the situation that we've got to be honest with ourselves about. To Say, if this gun comes out of my holster, this is a serious matter. I have to have justification for use of deadly force, and I have to be ready and willing and able to handle myself in a manner that I do not hurt anybody else. And I got to be willing to suffer the consequences if I make a mistake somewhere along the way. So to Ryan's point there on YouTube commenting that people looking, wanting to use their guns makes cons- concealed carriers look bad. You know, uh, there's nothing wrong with trying to do the right things, but we have to be careful that we have a great deal of responsibility in carrying a gun for personal defense in that we can ruin and destroy the perception of our second amendment rights and affect the rights of others, because if it doesn't look good, like this is exactly what the left would love to grab onto. I mean, the left. Yeah, we know. I I know I've got left leaning liberal podcast listeners. We love you too, but it's those people on that side of the political aisle that right now they're having congressional hearings you know, subcommittee and subcommittee hearings about restricting more second amendment rights. Okay. And this kind of thing just gives more fuel to the fire to go. Yeah. We can't trust our own people to carry guns for personal defense. It puts other people's lives at risk. Sorry. Off my soap box. Soap <laughs> box. Now <laughs> move on to the next story. Uh, This one's not quite so bad in, in that, uh, Nobody got hurt, but there's still some lessons to be learned here. This one's out of Oklahoma City area. Um, a business owner there shoots at a suspect after an armed robbery, and was pistol whipped. And that that was one thing. I was actually they say pistol whipped in the title, but there was not really much in the way of details about that that I could actually figure out. Like, did, did the did the bad guy pistol whip somebody? Or did they pistol whip him? But I, I got I, I get the impression that the, okay, it does finally there it is. You're trying to go through all this stuff, and the way <laughs> they write these stories is so confusing sometimes because they they like it's it's class, you know it's like modern American uh, 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 you know news coverage or whatever you know uh, uh, journalism. It's like we give you this little headlines you know sub headline whatever you know that give you the brief summary and then, then then they start going through stuff and sometimes the lead is really buried down <laughs> <laughs> down there so basically what you have here is uh you had a car shop employee doing his thing working it's getting close to the end of the day and you know the garage the shop's just wide open and this guy the suspect walks in with a gun and is demanding money and stuff from from the uh the this repair shop um Says that there was a shop owner and an employee, and they didn't actually—they actually didn't believe that the gun that this guy had was real. So he ends up firing shots into the air, and pistol-whipping the owner. It says here. So, okay, gun's real. This is a problem. The employee escapes. He actually runs away and runs to a neighboring business, gets over there, and then um, the owner of that business grabs a gun, and then he chases after. This perpetrator, okay, this robber. Um, the robber apparently fires some shots, some more shots, and the owner fires back at him, but missed. Okay, and so through all of this, there's multiple shots that are fired by bad guy as well as good guy, who is the owner of a neighboring business. Nobody's ever actually struck by any of these shots. Nobody's injured other than apparently the owner of the car shop was pistol whipped. Um. So, and then there's there's an interesting thing here I want to highlight. Uh, first of all, the neighboring business owner. I mean, kudos to him for. I mean, somebody came to him and said, "We, I need help." There's a guy over here with a gun, and he's trying to rob us and hurt us, right? So this this neighboring business owner is like, "Okay, I'm going to do what he believed to be the right thing and try to protect people." The problem is, is that. He chased after the the criminal, okay? That's the first thing. So, again, we, we end up with this same theme that has been, you know, we've talked about this already today. People chasing after bad guys. I would say don't do that, all right? Not a good idea. There's nothing, I shouldn't say there's nothing good, but there's a lot of bad that can come from chasing after criminals, Okay. Very little good comes from that. Okay. Occasionally we get lucky and they get caught. Occasionally we get lucky and we get enough details. We get a license plate number or that kind of thing and they get caught. Um, And that's all fine and well. There's other times though we're chasing after them. And now like there was that guy in a mall parking lot a few months ago or last year or something that decided to get involved in a situation. Right. And he got himself killed. Because he decided to try to protect others and and got himself involved. So this is, again, the the gravity of the situation that we have to ask ourselves. What am I willing to die for? Where are my limits? Where do I draw the line? Okay. Because that's, that's the severity of it all. You get involved. You may die. You get involved, you may go to jail for your li- rest of your life if you make the wrong decision and cross legal lines. You get involved, you may end up with a lawsuit, or you may end up hitting somebody else with your bullet that was an innocent party. So the neighboring shop shop owner, it says, did fire after this criminal and missed. Where did that go? Got to ask that question. But here's the other thing I wanted to get to, Matthew, is it gives us... A little bit, of, you know, a, sm- a small snippet of transcripts from nine one one calls. Yes, and uh, a witness says he's wearing a flash auto repair blue jumpsuit suit. Somebody's they're 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 given a description, and apparently, you know, like based on what we get from this, is that they're trying to say this is who you're looking for, kind of thing. And the nine one one dispatcher says, "Oh, that's the one that's doing the shooting," and the witness is like, "It looks like him." So keep in mind the kind of information that might get communicated to police that are responding. Flash auto repair is the business that was getting robbed. Chances are the dude wearing that jumpsuit's not the bad guy, but yet the information that might be given to law enforcement, whether it's a miscommunication between the witness and dispatch, and then from dispatch to police officer, or if the witness is just mistaken in what they are seeing and what they perceive to be uh, the truth about the situation, be prepared for that, okay? It's also good that the business owner also called for help, the, the owner of the, the repair shop. Uh, and, and so he's providing information as well, uh, which is more firsthand information, likely to be a little bit better information than a third-party witness. See, the, the, that's a, that's a problem with us getting involved in other people's problems. When we choose to intervene, like the lady at the Ace Hardware Store that decides to draw a gun and shoot at these shoplifters. You have to be careful about whether you actually have all the facts about what's going on before you use deadly force. You also need to be careful when you give information to whether you are the involved party, but especially if you're a third party. Now it's good that you're calling because the sooner that call is made, the sooner help arrives, right? That's a good thing. But just be careful to information that we provide that is as accurate as we can, that we don't try to imply stuff that we don't actually know the truth about. Cause that's how things get blown out of proportion and, uh, and, and cops show up on scene thinking it's one thing and it's a whole other thing. And then somebody else gets killed because right. of how that response goes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you covered everything. The only thing I'll, I'll, I'll add to this story is something that I would, uh, impress upon is um, is that just because this article doesn't say that this guy who chased after the owner that th- th- fired rounds and went who knows where, um, just because he's not, it doesn't say he's facing charges or he will face charges or he's been arrested or anything like that, doesn't mean that this is a good thing to do, right? Like there's a lot of times where people will be like, well, I I see all these stories and the guy didn't get arrested. Well, we don't know if they get arrested later on. And that's irrelevant really, like, because there are people that get arrested. We just, you know, there there are, there are, so you're rolling the dice when you, when you do these things and it's not just arresting, it's, you know, where these rounds are going. And and, and if they impact somebody, if if this, if those rounds that this owner would have shot would have impacted someone, I I guarantee you that this story would have been a little bit different. And so we have to, we just, you know, don't jump, don't always just jump to, well, there's no, this guy didn't get arrested. So apparently it's okay. It's, it's, it's still, it's still really bad, uh, bad, a bad mental state of mind to be in. Um,
0: Yeah. Yep. Using deadly force, always Mm the last resort. Mm -hmm. Okay. (sighs) All right. uh, Let's get now. So, that wraps up our what not to do stories. Now there even sometimes these, what we have classified now as justified save stories. And even that last story we just shared technically could be a justified save um, potentially, right? You, you just, you just talked about how no charges pending, you know, at least that we know of right now Mm -hmm. towards anybody Um, and perhaps likely will not be. So, that guy technically probably law, you know as far as law is concerned is law-abiding and all all as well even though um, you know again we got to be really careful about you know everything we've talked about here today we got to be careful about that stuff but now we do get into our justified safe stories even though these have been selected as justified safe stories doesn't mean that there aren't mistakes that are made and even sometimes iffy legal things sometimes where keep in mind that in today's climate, what might be totally overlooked by a district attorney in one jurisdiction in a more gun-friendly, gun culture, you know, more conservative, if I dare say, uh, 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 jurisdiction in a different – like if, if it's San Francisco or Portland, it may be something else completely for you. Meaning mm-hmm. that, again, you might be in, um, I don't know. Hayes, Kansas, and the DA there is like, nothing to see here. Looks like good guy prevailed. But in Portland, you might be going to jail Mm -hmm. for certain actions. So just keep that in mind. And and right now, these are hot button issues. People get shot. People are paying a lot more attention than they have in the past. Media is hyping stuff up. Um, People are marching and protesting. And your life could be completely upended because... Because you're a white guy and you shoot a black guy, even if it's totally justified, okay? Because that's how things are getting hyped up. All right. Woman choked by ex-boyfriend shoots him to death in North Harris County. Deputy says Harris County, Texas. Matthew, give us a rundown on this. We got an ex-boyfriend being choking this woman. Yeah. She shoots him. How'd that yeah. go down? Yeah.
1: So, um, so this, this guy, they have a domestic relationship, the, the, the victim and this, uh, suspect. So, uh, he comes in. He's apparently picking up stuff from the, the apartment or the home, uh, to leave. And during that, uh, time, he becomes aggressive, starts headbutting and choking, uh, the female victim, um, there she's 29 years old. She has a couple kids in the home with her. She manages to get away from this guy um, and grabs a firearm. That's in, That was inside the home. She didn't have it on her, but she had a firearm a handgun um, inside the home somewhere. Um, apparently at that point, he is still aggressive because she's fearing for uh, her safety, her life and, and the lives of her children and shoots him. Um, and he ends up dying. Um, you know the kids are okay. She's okay. Uh, you know physically, but this is one of those incidents where you know it's one, it's when we hear about you know how many people die um, of f- from gun violence and all this stuff, um, and, and it's tragic. I'm not I'm not discounting that, but this is a situation where this woman very likely could have been killed, um, and right in front of her children. Um, you know, and so this this is not like. A great hooray story but it's great that she was able to save her life and prevail over uh, with this man who was physically overpowering her she probably could not have um overpowered this guy it sounds like he was you know he's headbutting her and choking her so he's he's probably being pretty aggressive right and so uh, she's able to get a firearm which is uh which is fantastic and you know, saves, saves herself and p- potentially your kids. There's a lot of incidents that begin with domestic violence incidents. Um, and then, you know, the husband or wife kills the, the other one. Right. And then at that point they're like, I might as well kill everybody and I'm going down with the ship because my life's over. Right. So this could have very easily been, you know, a, a, a mass shooting where this guy kills her and then kills the two kids and himself. And, um, and so uh, I'm, I'm, it's obviously speculation. We don't know, but she certainly um, did did well in in saving herself. And doesn't say that Browns were flying out of the house, impacting other things, going through walls, uh, or anything like that. So good, good all around.
0: Yeah, you know that's a great point because you got to put in perspective that it mentions that two small children were in a different room of the house, and mm-hmm. you got to be you got to be aware of that, right? That, yeah. uh, in, in your using of deadly force uh, got to keep in perspective where other people are likely to be in the home and uh, try to change angles or do whatever you got to do to ensure that errant shots or shoot-throughs or whatever don't go in the direction of, of others uh, innocent parties. Uh, let's go now to got a story out of Newark, um, New Jersey, I presume then. that doesn't, doesn't actually say the state. Oh, there it is. Yeah, New Jersey. Um, basically, and, and this one actually comes with uh, some surveillance video, which I reviewed. And I actually remember seeing this a while back. Uh, this happened a couple of years ago. The story is an update. So this is actually not a, a recent justified save, um, but this is more really more of an update that uh, the, the gentleman that perpetrated this crime has been charged and is going to be uh, spending at least nine years in federal prison. Now, nobody seen what he ended up being charged with and what prosecutors decided to pursue were federal weapons charges because he's a, a felon, uh, a, a man with multiple felony convictions in the past, multiple violent crimes and here he used a gun in another crime and uh uh, and so that's the angle they decided to go after well they they charged him with some other things too but the big one was federal weapons violations and uh landing in the federal slammer for for nine plus years so the uh, surveillance uh, video go ahead and throw this up on camera or on the screen for those of you that are that are watching uh but I'll try to describe basically surveillance cameras just looking at the inside of this uh, barbershop in Newark, New Jersey. You got a barber, he's doing his thing, you know, working on it. And and his client, by the way, is an off duty officer who is armed. And we're going to see him draw his gun in a moment. So no, just normal, normal day for, for these two gentlemen, Uh, a barber earning his, his living, making, making money. And a, as far as we can tell a satisfied customer that is there for his haircut, his shave, whatever. So here I'm going to skip it. Actually, here it is. We see the perpetrator. He's come up to the door. And now he's going to come in and almost immediately. He proceeds right to the barber points a gun at him. It appears there's some kind of malfunction because he then brings the gun back and tries to like manipulate it in some way. And then the fights on the barber attacks him uh, physically. The, uh, off-duty officer also gets involved in the fray. I'm going to back this up again. because so I want to point out one thing you're going to notice as the, as the customer tries to get involved in the fight, he actually trips over a cord to like a, a, a razor or something, something that's plugged into the wall. And then he ends up grabbing his gun and apparently firing a shot. It struck the uh, uh, perpetrator in the face. And then actually what we're watching now is there's apparently gunshots being exchanged and, between the uh, bad guy and, and this off duty cop, um, and interesting if you watch, you see this Matthew. Watch how many times it looks like he manipulates the slide on his pistol. We're talking about the off duty cop. He's got a semi automatic. Yeah, yeah. one. There was two. There's three. There's four. He's working the slide again. So I find that really interesting. Um, I don't know. It's hard to tell for sure because the video is a bit grainy but it appears to me as though he experiences potentially as many as four malfunctions with his semi-automatic off-duty or backup or carry gun that he has in this off-duty capacity. That is really eye-opening to me. Um, And it makes me wonder, like there's the initial one where he obviously he draws his, you know, they're in this entangled fight. You've got bad guy on the ground, barbers on top of him, off-duty cops jumping in there. They're, they're trying to gain control of him, trying to disarm him, that kind of thing, trying to prevent themselves from getting shot. And we know that the bad guy's gun apparently has some reliability concerns as well. But regardless, it's still a very deadly uh, uh, tool that's involved in this fight. And the off-duty cop draws out his gun, fires a shot, apparently you know, close range there. That It's not unusual to see... A, uh, a, a gun malfunction when we're in close quarters like that, when we're in an entangled fight and, we're, and the gun comes into the picture, whether that is something that happens because we're pressing the gun into the body of the other person and it pushes out a battery, whether that's because in the course of firing a shot, uh, the slide comes in contact with a part of somebody's body, with an arm, a hand, uh, with your own body. Maybe the slide comes back and hits you in the chest. Maybe because you're in this entangled fight and your focus is on trying to dominate and control this individual and you've got a crappy grip on your gun, you kind of, you know, limp wrist that shot off and that causes malfunction. see, there's all kinds of things that can happen in an entangled fight that results in a gun that's malfunctioned. But it was pretty interesting that we see this gun continue to have issues throughout this gunfight Mm -hmm. and that makes me wonder about the gun that was being carried the ammunition being used how vetted or tested that ammunition and uh, combination with that gun was because yes there are guns that are picky about certain types of ammunition there are certain ammunition that due to its so-called power factor or whatnot, uh, you, you may not be well-suited based on the particular gun, its recoil spring, that kind of stuff. So what this tells me, just based on the num- the pure number of malfunctions, makes me think this was a gun with a, a particular carry load that this officer had not tested mm-hmm. or vetted um, thoroughly
1: yeah i i then this is one of the reasons why i thought it was the video was very good and at first i thought you know it's an auto battery or a failure to cycle the slide in in, when he first has a malfunction but then it continues and continues and um you know at one time i was trying to see like if you could kind of see if it was a bad grip you know a poor grip that just kind of he limp wristed it and um but i i as it went on, I was like, this is probably ammunition related um but you know the good uh, one of the good things was was that he did work through it he didn't just give up you know he did try to work through it and yeah. uh, and still engaged in the fight which was good um but yeah and and there's another ep- like if you guys i know that are listening um go to the show notes and check out the the link so you can watch the video but at one point you see um the the barbershop the the barber um he actually pushes the the, the off-duty cop like away when he sees the gun and this is like one of those things that stuck out to me because i see this you know you would see this with trying to take a sometimes with cops trying to take a a suspect into custody and they almost like push each other off because they're not actually working together or this guy sees a gun and he doesn't really realize hey is this the the the, my the guy was just cutting his hair or is this a bad guy and he starts pushing the gun away instinctively and, um, and actually mm-hmm. he pushed the gun kind of and made oriented it towards himself actually when he pushed him. But, um, yeah. so just be aware, like if you intervene on something like this, you may have somebody inadvertently or, or a family member vert, you know, purposely trying to intervene with you drawing that firearm or getting it, mm-hmm. uh, getting it out. So that was, it was pretty, tal- it was pretty interesting to watch some of the dynamics.
0: Yeah. I picked up on that as well. That pushing away, um, move. was kind of interesting. I kind of wondered myself if it was more of, you know, that the barber may not have been as aware of the fact that the officer had a gun out and then also became aware of it. And I think Mm -hmm. perhaps just sort of reacted to that, like, oh, gun. And, you know, just, I don't know. It's an interesting one for sure. Now, the final thing I want to point out is that we do see that this officer, uh, after it seems like the situation has resolved itself or at least temporarily he then goes out and the barber follows him out yeah and then comes right back in a moment later to grab his phone and i think start calling 911 and you know what uh, yeah let's uh, let's just you know let's just let it be at that point and let's make sure that we take care of ourselves and maybe retreat to a better position a place of safety and and call for help rather than immediately pursuing and going after and trying to, you know, see who they are, or where they're going, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. So, just something to think about. We got two more stories we need to wrap up here. Um, so, let's go through, Matthew, if you'd cover this concealed carrier shoots drunk friend who pulls knife on him. This one's kind of interesting.
1: Yeah. So, this is a quick one. Uh, nothing too crazy. Um, this, this happens, uh, a, a guy, these two people are friends. It's uh, two, two males. Um, it happens around 10 30 PM. One of the, the guy who owns the home or, or wherever they're staying in the apartment, whatever um, has his friend comes over and he's intoxicated. The friend is. Um, and so he gets in there, they're talking. And at one point uh, apparently the homeowner's like, all right, dude, you got to leave. Um, and the drunk dude decides he's not going to leave. Um, this escalates into an argument and then the argument, um, escalates further when the drunk dude pulls out a knife and threatens the homeowner or the, the, uh, the guy who's not drunk and not in not wanted there. Um, at that point, the homeowner draws his firearm and, uh, and shoots the guy, um, obviously fearing for his life. This dude threatens him, pulls out a knife. He's eminent. He's there. Um, he's not there while he was legally invited there at a certain point, he's no longer wanted there and the, the homeowner wants him to leave. So, um, he he's not there legally, right? This, this guest, this unwanted guest. Um, and so he ends up shooting him, um, it, which is pretty cool. Um, you know, the, the guy, um, ends up surviving the, 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 attacker um but he had some warrants that they found once he got to the hospital and were treating him he had some warrants and the the homeowner it says in here that he had a concealed carry license i don't know what you know that has no application inside your home other than to say that he probably passed a background check and was you know not a not a felon or anything like that so maybe they wanted to make a distinction that this wasn't you know just some random um you know a couple criminals that shot each other or something like that but um so, yeah, so I mean, it's it's a decent story, but it shows, you know, you you don't know, you probably didn't think that he was going to have to shoot his friend that night, but you never know when when uh the bad bad incident's going to be, you know, uh comes up for your uh your turn to uh have to intervene or do something to save your own life, so.
0: Yeah. Do you see this quote here that's in big red letters from the state police that tweeted? It says the state police tweeted this. During the argument, the visitor pulled a knife and went towards the homeowner who was in possession of a registered pistol at the time. Yeah. Okay. okay. So I, I looked this up because the story doesn't actually say it. It says this happened in Holly Township. That's, t- turns out that's in Michigan. Mm-hmm. And uh, Michigan doesn't have a state registry for firearms. So it just, it drives me up a wall when police agencies, that should know better perpetrate incorrect information all the time and, and myths and stuff about things that are, you know, guns that are registered, Mm -hmm. right? Like he was in possession of a registered pistol at the time. What does that even mean? Right.
1: Or (laughs) stand your ground or yeah. (laughs) When it's not a stand your ground case and this is, you know, dry stand your ground or whatever. And it's just, yeah,
0: just, Drives Not me kidding. bonkers, you
1: know, <laughs> stuff like that. Like,
0: Are you kidding me? Come on now.
1: Come on and this me. is a tweet. This is a yeah. tweet, right? So this yep. is something that somebody should have thought about. It wasn't like they blurted out and like, oh man, I shouldn't have said that, right? Like right. this was something that some you know um public relations dude or gal there's one
0: thing I did want to highlight, and it's the fact that because there's a distinction sometimes in certain states, um, about um this person being an invited guest in the home. So let me give you an example in Colorado, as it relates to uh, defense of your, uh, you know, defense within a dwelling. Okay. Which in Colorado, we refer to, you know, the colloquial legal term is make my day law in Colorado. Um, it's essentially a castle doctrine, our version of a castle doctrine. And there's a distinction in our statute that the, perpetrator that the home intruder, okay? So it's talking about situations where one uses or may use deadly force in defense while inside a dwelling and it references that the intruder has made unlawful entry into the home. That's a condition. So if they have not made unlawful entry, i.e., if they are it, if they are legal to be there, if they were invited to be there for instance, then it actually could fall under the the, the other, you know, the the more, um, what's the word, the other statute, which essentially is defense of life outside of a home, meaning you've got to meet a more strict standard, mm-hmm. okay? And so um, just something to keep in mind, right? That's where I thought this, that was one thing I saw thought was interesting about this story, is this started out as someone that was welcome to be there. Now, your state may have something in the statutes that says if they have been Invited to leave and refuse to leave and that kind of thing that might create so, its own distinction. Um, but uh, but again, in 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 some states the the so-called castle doctrine may be specific or applicable to situations where it's actually someone that has essentially broken into the home. So mm-hmm. just something to look into and, and make sure you understand about your own state's laws. Now, let's go to the final story. This one out of South Carolina. We have a woman holding a baby who shot an attacker. So, this is quite a compelling story, although the details are relatively sparse. In fact, the story is, as you see it, pretty much right here, which is essentially one, you know, not even really a page, if you will. But um, basically, what this was is that in South Carolina, it happened on Sunday, um, you had a man that was hitting and choking a woman that he has a domestic relationship with. Okay. So, uh, and she was holding a nine month old baby at the time that this uh, ex lover was hitting and choking her. Um, But she happened to locate in her ex lover's clothing, a gun. So he's attacking her. She's holding her baby. He's attacking and choking her. And in the kind of course of all this, she realizes, oh, he's got
1: a gun. She draws out his gun and shoots him with it. Well, he, he was act, like he actually was attacking. Somebody who was trying to help her. Like he first attacked her and then she got an, uh, a, oh, a right. bystander to intervene. And as this guy turns his attack from her onto the bystander, then she goes into his, his pocket or whatever and grabs the gun out. So that, that was pretty crazy.
0: Yeah. It's just, it's a very, you know, it's kind of an unusual, uh, story. Yeah. Um, you know, unfortunate and kind of crazy, you know, you got a baby in your arms. And so, I mean, keep in mind, like we, we talk sometimes about the necessity of being, you know, proficient with your gun, with a single hand, it might not be a a baby, Mm -hmm. but it could be other things that keep you from being able to use two hands on a gun. So are you practicing one-handed shooting? Are you practicing one-handed shooting with both hands, right? Like maybe in that moment, she doesn't have the option of switching, you know, the baby to like, maybe she's holding the baby in her dominant side. Like now you're shooting one-handed with your support hand only. Like, hey, where's your skill level at? Is that something you're practicing? Yeah. Again, it might not be, it might not be. You know, you might not be in a, in a position or a place where you're likely to experience this kind of scenario of domestic violence and while you're holding a baby and stuff. But there could be other scenarios where it's valid to, you know, consider the idea of practicing and being capable of using your gun one handed with with either hand, if necessary. Yeah, kind of interesting to point out there from this story.
1: Yeah this this woman is incredible to me that like so you know her her restraint and her ability you know she she's being attacked by this guy she has her child uh, goes and tries to get somebody to help her or somebody sees and helps her right so they're intervening she the the article says that she, as this guy changes his attack she grabs the gun out and she doesn't just immediately shoot the guy right she doesn't uh, throw the gun in the bushes she backs up and only shoots this guy when he realizes, okay, now she has my gun and now he's angry at her again and goes to attack her. And then he shoots at her. So she, she, I mean, and, and she does it, like you said, one handed holding her child. She protects her child. She protects herself. Um, she, she uses that restraint not to just pull it out and, you know, start pistol whipping him or, you know, cranking off rounds all willy nilly and shooting people. It, it, I, I just thought this story was, she did a great job of staying, you know, cognizant of what was going on, and making some really good decisions in a pretty hectic, evolving situation. So, mm-hmm. this was a this was a, a good one.
0: And the man she shot uh, is in uh, critical condition, but stable, uh, presumably going to recover. Uh, facing charges, first degree domestic violence, and a whole bunch of other uh, other charges. And the woman has been ruled as having, um, uh, you know, fired the gun in self defense. So. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's what we like to see as far I mean, I, I don't like to see this kind of incident happen to anybody, but mm-hmm. we know that there's bad and evil in the world, like people that will do terrible things to others. Mm-hmm. And no matter what we do, that's always like, that's existed from the beginning of time and will unfortunately always exist uh, is people that are willing and are able to do really terrible things to fellow human beings and what we like to see. Are human beings that are able to lawfully and morally and physically have the capability of defending themselves Mm
1: -hmm.
0: well that brings us to the last of our justified safe stories i hope you guys got something out of those and some lessons learned Um, i always would encourage you to think through these different things we've talked about today these different stories and examples and try to apply them to yourself. Put them into a context that makes sense for you. Because I believe that will help you form a more educated, a more knowledgeable uh, uh, frame of reference for you to do everything you can. That if in the event that you find yourself in some kind of deadly force encounter, that you'll be prepared or a little bit better prepared. And that you'll be able to make better decisions and not end up in the news, at least as some of these do, with uh you know, not end up on the conceal carry.com carry <laughs> podcast uh what not to do list. <laughs>
1: <laughs> good, good, good bar to or good standard to try to not make, right?
0: <laughs> so we need we do need to announce our weekly podcast uh giveaway winner. Mm-hmm. Uh, this week giving away a palm pepper spray unit. Yep, yep. I've got one right here. Boom. Look at that. Yes. Um, so palm pepper spray, good stuff. a nice compact little package. Uh, very easy to use, intuitive, meets all the the requirements of of good pepper spray for, for a personal uh, compact uh, uh, unit. So mm-hmm. who's our
1: lucky winner this week? This week's winner is Matthew F as in freedom. Uh, Matthew F. I like Matthew Freedom. (laughs) We will get your palm pepper spray out to you. Um, And next week, if you guys haven't already entered, make sure you do. It's concealedcarry.com forward slash weekly podcast giveaway. Make sure you enter. But our next uh, prize is going to be a... Copy of our vehicle firearm tactics, either the DVD or uh, digital download. So that course, which is fantastic.
0: There's actually an easier link to use, Matthew, which Mm. is concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize.
1: Yeah, there you go.
0: Well, a little bit easier to remember. You can do some editing afterwards. Sir. All good, all good, bro. The other one works too. Just probably easier for people to remember. Just go to concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize. There you go. Same link we've been using for for a good while now. Um, and and the uh, the the podcast giveaway actually now extends to our full podcast network. In case people didn't know, so all you know the the uh, firearm trainers podcast the. Uh, um, off duty, on off duty, duty, or on duty, off duty podcast, also are participating in the podcast giveaway as well. So, uh, anyway, guys, thanks so much for uh, being a part of, a, of this with us today. This show, uh, one last shout out to our sponsors, XS Sites, as found at XSSites.com. That is the letter X, the letter S, Sites.com. In case, in case someone is maybe tuning in for the first time or is not familiar with the brand. Not like excess, like too much. <laughs> uh, so, XS also ammo supply warehouse.com. And so, guys, until next time, a reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care.